1: The history of the nurse anesthesia profession suggests that regardless of the challenge or crisis facing it, the right person at the right time with the right message was chosen by the membership to lead. This segment of our podcast is entitled The Courage to Lead. We are pleased to highlight some of these contemporary visionary leaders. We want to express gratitude to all and give encouragement to those that will accept the challenge in the future. And my co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And well, hello, Sharon. How are you today?
2: Good morning.
1: It's bright and early this morning. bright and early. It's been a little while for us.
2: We haven't taped since the Windy City.
1: Windy City. It's not quite as windy. In winston-salem this
2: morning no no it's not but at least we're up early this morning and we're going to do a full day of podcast taping are you ready
1: i'm ready hey and what time is it
2: it's time to wake up that's
1: right and along with us in the studio today we have one of our favorites absolutely miss sandy oulette
2: my program director
1: there you go and we're back on our series courage to lead
2: i know this is so exciting i just spoke to the wake Forest students this week and i was telling them about this whole series and they're super excited about it too they're learning so much
1: absolutely i think this is a needed thing what do you think sandy oh i agree i certainly do absolutely well sandy why don't you tell us a little bit about your year which was 1989 as president and maybe give us some background
3: okay well i'd like to start off just uh listing a few uh, achievements that really i was reminded of quite recently by an article in the news bulletin by uh, john Fecho. Uh, many of you know that john is our director of aina insurance uh, services and in celebration of the 30th anniversary of aina insurance uh, there was an article in the news bulletin and the first sentence in that uh news bulletin said in 1989 was a significant year in history of ana and i thought boy i'm gonna stick my chest out here because (laughs) that is just so so nice and basically he listed the major outcomes i think that history will record as being the great events of that year and uh one of course was the implementation of direct reimbursement under part b medicare I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to questions about it. But, um, you know, once the legislation passed, that wasn't the end of it. There was regulations and a fee schedule to be developed, and that ended in the year I served as president. Also, IFNA, we've had several segments on IFNA. Mm -hmm. It was founded in June of 1989. And we celebrate the 30th anniversary of ANA Insurance this year, which was really a job saver for CRNAs, and if time allows, and you have mm-hmm. questions, we'll go in, into that. And I had absolutely forgot myself, but the first AANA college, or Anesthesia Bold, was held at the annual meeting in 1989. That is such a Mm. highlight and has really spread from the ANA to many state Mm -hmm. organizations. We do it in North Carolina. Yeah, and people just love it. And then, of course, the published uh, history, uh, Watchful Care by Marianne Bankert, uh, History of America's Nurse and uh, was completed in 1989. And the first copy of that was given to me in the uh, Dome in massachusetts the ether dome in massachusetts and it was a it was a great event now before we get into questions that i know that you might have i want to make it very clear that none of these major outcomes began and ended in 1989. Mm -hmm. most major events Mm -hmm that develop a life of their own. The things that I just mentioned, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary this year of all of those things. It started sometimes two or three years ahead Mm -hmm. of my board. And in the case of direct reimbursement, it was almost a decade. It was seven to eight years from the time this journey began right. until that fee schedule and implementation. So a shout out to all the other boards and their consistency and never, ever losing the gold and keeping it in mind. Absolutely.
2: You bring up a very good point about that because that's why it's so important for presidents, president-elects, and on down to work together to just continue the process that was started before them.
3: Absolutely. You, you can't fight all battles. You have got to put your ladder on the right wall, and you have Hmm. got to pick those things that are the most critical issues for our members. And with that in mind, it does take continuity of one board to Mm -hmm. another to get a successful outcome.
2: And not change the total course. Absolutely, going forward. Absolutely. But we've got it. We've got another Sandyism right there. Did you catch uh, I had that? To write that down. I knew <laughs> that you would. Yeah, I had
1: to write that one down. Yeah. again. Make so. sure
2: your ladder's <laughs> yeah. on the right yeah, wall. Yeah. I all battle, another put your
1: ladder on the right yep. wall. I love it. Another love
2: Sandyism.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this book right now called The One Thing. And, oh yeah. And really, that's kind of the synopsis of the book. But yeah, we could get into that later. Really, but, yeah.
2: I'm I'm reading Making It Stick. So it goes oh, along the same. Oh.
3: Way. Thing. You know, uh, talking about Sandyisms. uh one of the graduating classes in the long uh, run that I had as program director recorded all of these things, and they uh, framed it. It was Lisa Barbie's class, and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. wrote them all down. They put it in a nice frame. But the thing is, they spelled it like my southern accent. <laughs> 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 so, so it was it was really, really oh, that was that. good. Yeah, I like yeah. it.
1: Well, Sandy, why don't you tell us a little bit? You know, and it's funny because you say 1989 because that's actually the year I graduated from high school. Our 30-year anniversary this year, <laughs> yeah. as well as A Insurance Services. So you know, I can remember things like well, this. Well, I, I thought it, you so. were going
2: to say that was the year I was born, and I was going to just throw up
1: right now. <laughs> no, that would just be my wife. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> no, kidding. I mean, that's probably true. Sharon always gives me a hard time about that, but um, but no. What was the role of the board of directors and Medicare? Reimbursement that year because what I understand is that was a pretty right. important year for that
3: it was and when you look and um, I don't know if you've done a whole segment on that journey but it certainly would be worth doing at some point but it was the most celebrated accomplishment in nurse anesthesia mm-hmm. history when that occurred and probably probably still is because CRNAs mm-hmm. were the first nurses to receive reimbursement under a physician only fee schedule and Again, important to note that this federal reimbursement accomplished the fee for service. We felt if that happened, other payers would follow, and it was very important. And as I said, it was a seven-year journey from 1983 to 1989. The legislative victory occurred in the first three years, and that was under ANA presidents uh, Patricia Fleming, Patrick Downey, Barbara Adams, and Richard Roulette, my husband. And then from 87 to 89 became a real hard part. You know, I would soon be president. I was hoping this was all going to be over mm-hmm. when I got there.
2: Little did you know Little it's never Little did I know over. <laughs> the
3: hard part was just starting because it was fighting with HICFA, the healthcare financing administration on the regulations and the fee schedule. You see, because their idea was they would continue to pay the physicians under a relative value system Mm -hmm. of uh, time units, base units, and modifiers. But we're nurses, and nurses would have an hourly fee. And that just didn't fly, Mm -hmm. because if we're going to be competitive, we have to be in the same pot. not at the same fee schedule we we took assignment which they were not doing at the time to get this medicare reimbursement but anyway the last three years was under president peggy mcfadden jan Menino, and myself and it culminated in my year so again just can't emphasize enough the importance of all these boards never losing sight of the gold that would um, sustain us and the other thing it took a village jeremy and in addition to all of our consultants, we're the best that they could be, executive staff, along with our boards. We're very much appreciative of Senator Matsunaga, a Democrat from Hawaii, and Congressman Barney Frank, a Democrat from uh, Massachusetts at the time, that introduced these bills. And uh, that was history after that. So, again, we could talk on forever about this. This could be a whole segment, but uh, I think that's the crux of it at that time. It culminated in January of 1989. The fee schedule was set, and we were happy with it.
2: Well, I think we need a whole thing on TEFRA, a whole podcast on TEFRA. Because Nancy talks about the TEFRA rules a lot and how— That's right. uh, Now, correct me. The ASA wanted the TEFRA rules. Of course. And we didn't. And Mm -hmm. now they wish they didn't have those. That's right. They wanted
3: uh, the ratio. And what they wanted is they wanted at first a one-to-one ratio. No
2: kidding. Yes, they did.
3: And then they wanted – that's called job security for the (laughs) anesthesiologist. Then they wanted one-to-two. And at that time, we said, we're opposed to ratios of any number. But if you have to have a ratio, we would like it to be a ratio of one to four. And that was what was passed. So that was another victory in and of itself. Although we really didn't want ratios, but if there had to be one, it should be no
2: less than one to four. So what did, and I don't mean to jump off of this, but this is intriguing to me. What data did you give them or what did you tell them to rationalize one to four I mean what was your argument I would for that? have to
3: look back Sharon that's a very good question and I would have to look back over the events of that day but um probably a lot of it had to do with cost oh uh, I'm you sure. know you know uh, the things that really got us through and for us taking assignment it was cost driven so I'm guessing that we use that very heavily in order to get the one to four I mean you can imagine a one to one ratio the cost of what that would be oh jeez.
2: Well, I mean, we're already dealing with the one to four ratio and changing models and um, the Charlotte. Hospital. that
3: would would be a very good uh, entire segment at some point in time, because it's very complex.
2: Start writing that down. Well, there was so much going on in 1989. And why don't we talk just briefly about IFNA? And I'd like to refer our listeners back to several of the podcasts that we've done before on IFNA. We just had number thirty seven we had several members from across the world on on our podcast. But if you'd talk about the formation of IFNA, Sandy.
3: Okay, and I am gonna keep this brief because there are some areas that we have not talked about on podcasts. But the again, the International Federation of Nurses' the charter was signed by me, representing the ANA, in June of 1989 in Teufel, Switzerland. I was one of signatures from 11 founding charter members. But again, it didn't start there. It actually started in 1977 when a CRNA from Switzerland, or CRNA is actually from Switzerland and Denmark, attended our ANA annual meeting. They had picked up some of our information, and they if you remember what was happening at the time, we were talking about our point system or our credit system and mandatory continuing education. Well, that intrigued Hermie Loonard, He is credited as being our founder. In fact, his surgeons financed his trip to come to the United States then. And he met Ron Koch, who was president of the ANA at the time, and they formed a very good and lasting relationship. And it sort of started there uh, in terms of, you know, let's get together as an international community of nurse anesthetists. So the first uh, symposium was held in 1985. It was a financial bust, but boy, was it fun. Mm. And we said, <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to do this again. And so um, in 1988, we had a, a second that was we'd lear- and we learned from the first, and the second was much more successful. And then, of course, that was in 88 and in 1989, it was uh, chartered. And I think, you know, going back to some of your podcasts before, the history and all is all there. So I think we won't just uh, dwell on that at this point in time, but refer them back as you did. Sure. To and little,
2: little did you know what you were starting. I mean, in 2022, we're going to be in Croatia. That's right. And we might be doing live podcast yeah, taping. You
3: know, you say a very important thing. Even with the founding of the AANA, and certainly with IFNA, there wasn't any of us 30 years ago, that recognized the significance Mm -hmm. of what this was, how important it would be for this profession, Mm -hmm. and where it would go. Uh, I mean, at the first A&A meeting, all they talked about was the dinner at the women's club. You know, Mm -hmm. that was the thing. That was the highlight of that founding meeting. (laughs) 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 Their banquet. (laughs) (laughs) Their banquet. (laughs) (laughs) I I find that to just be hilarious, but but we missed some of the bigger points. It is uh, looking back that you see those. Mm -hmm.
1: Hi everyone, this is Jeremy. You've heard the promos about Our Hearts, Your Hands, founded by Sharon's good friend Jackie Rolls. It is a charitable organization that supports global nurse anesthetists from low and middle income countries by providing educational scholarships and grant money for books and equipment. Sharon and I are committed to supporting this organization. They're currently seeking donations to send African nurse anesthetists to the first Pan-African nurse anesthetist conference in kenya june 11th through the 13th a thousand dollars will cover registration travel and food for one delegate you can make a difference in the access to safe anesthesia care in africa support your colleagues through your tax deduction donation any amount will be appreciated see the link in our show notes to donate well, Sandy, you know, you've referenced A insurance services in the 30th year anniversary. Why was A insurance formed anyway? What was the purpose of that?
3: All right. In the mid-1980s, medical malpractice was at a crisis. There had been unexpected increases in the number of claims and the increase in dollars awarded for those claims. So that was leading to very great difficulty. In people obtaining medical malpractice insurance. And um, if they could, the premiums were just sky high. Mm. It led also to the establishment of other insurance. Companies that were physician-sponsored, physician-led, that had its own little negatives for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, they were uh, liking to spread the rumor that the liability of surgeons was increased if they work with nurse anesthetists mm. not supervised by anesthesiologists.
2: And they still do that.
3: And yeah, and so this was a this was a big deal. And remember when all this was happening, and you know, all this increase in claims and increased dollars paid, that was before the minimum monitoring standards that John Icorn, out of the Harvard system produced for the anesthesia community. Mm-hmm. It was before pulse oximetry. It was before entitled CO2. So you can understand why those claims were probably where they right. were at the time. But it was it was very bad. So again, ANA president Peggy McFadden saw this as a real threat to the members and to our profession. And she really saw that CRNAs would not be able to work independently mm-hmm. unless we did something to protect us. Because those of us in groups, those of us hospital-employed, we would come under whatever policy right. they had. Right. But the independents did not have that. And so a plan, at her suggestions, was begun to create ANA Insurance Company. And I can tell you that work fell internally on our executive director john guard gene blumenreich who was legal counsel and mark chris and a finance director this was no minor undertaking mm. so it went from peggy mcfadden to jan menino and so and, and peggy was 1986 87 it continued through the administration of jan menino in 87 88 And it culminated, again, it just fell in my lap as a beautifully wrapped (laughs) package uh, uh, during my term in uh, 1988-89. The thing that John mentioned in his 30th anniversary article in March 2019 in our news bulletin is um, it did a lot of other things. It helped identify practice claim trends because now insuring so many CRNAs, and be able to do closed claims Mm -hmm. analysis you can really get to where some of the difficulties might be and it helps them develop an insurance product to fit the ever-changing practice needs of our crnas and another benefit i I have here the members won't be able to see it but it was a little replica from saint paul Mm -hmm. insurance company that was given to me by Mark Marzik And on the back, I kept the note, the handwritten note wow. that he had. And it said, since you were president when A-plus was started, we thought you should receive one of the gifts given by St. Paul. This is a replica of the dividend check in the plan negotiated in 1988-89. Hope all is well, Mark Marzik And the check was written for $5 million five hundred and ten thousand dollars and that was a a nice a nice benefit absolutely well i
2: think the members probably don't realize how much that's helped fund so many initiatives within the aana
1: absolutely well you're keeping the money in-house well Well, exactly which is the other thing that's right because i hear CRNAs saying you know the aana is making money off of crna's well somebody's making money everywhere at every turn. A good point, Mm Jeremy. Would you rather support your own? Right. I mean – Gosh, that's pretty brilliant.
3: They have have supported so many initiatives over the last 30 years. And so uh, from me, and I'm sure from you, we need to give a real happy – 30th anniversary. Oh, you're not a, kidding. A, uh, insurance services.
2: Well, Peggy McFadden was certainly a visionary.
1: Well, absolutely. I'm just kind of thinking through this logistically, and you know, I mean, insurance is such a, a difficult animal because you can have insurance in one state oh, and yes. another state not approve it. So you've mm-hmm. got to get that approved in every single mm-hmm. state in which you do business and deal with their insurance.
3: And long-term in that department, it's grown. But we've had John Fecho yeah. from the very beginning, and we've also had Diane Keegan. Yes, And, uh, and they both Two are really uh, mm-hmm. uh, worker bees. And the interest of our members is the most important thing in their mind.
2: Very good point. So you alluded to the college bowl, and everybody enjoys the college bowl. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, you know that is one of the things that happened the year I was president that I had completely forgotten about until John mentioned it in his <gasps> yes, article. Yes, the
2: podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And
3: so he uh, he did that, but I can't remember exactly what led us in that direction. But it certainly has turned out to be just a wonderful event at the i and i understand i missed the this last uh year session in the windy city but i understand one of our graduates uh jerry hogan was the uh, moderator he's a graduate uh, a student of mine at wake forest university nurse anesthesia program so i know jerry did a very good job uh, with that but this is so energizing to our students if you get in a room they are so excited, and they compete with our 120 plus programs, one program against another, and or, or either they have people from different mm-hmm. schools that make up the teams. But it's it's really wonderful, and this is really uh, a trickle down to to at least our state. The North Carolina Association of Nurse is a big event at every one of our meetings, and everybody dresses up with mm-hmm. their. T-shirt on of their school, and and the CRNAs get just about as energized. As yes, the, uh, they do <laughs> as the uh, students do, um, and and it's it's a lot of fun. And, and you learn a lot. And you do learn a lot,
2: or you figure out how stupid you are. <laughs> that's, that's
3: right. <laughs> Listening, you to realize some of how these. much you forgot.
2: Oh my right? God! And uh, these kids look so incredibly smart. <laughs> yeah,
3: but uh, but I think uh, that has been a keeper. It's amazing how things of value just continue on continuing on you mm-hmm. know and again 30 years with the college bowl or anesthesia bowl
2: oh wow. man and Jerry was my classmate yeah you know that's
1: that? right yeah that's right yeah so Sandy also mentioned you know publications earlier and I know that there's been a huge value to the history of nurse anesthesia so I kind of want you to talk about that a little bit and then you know maybe what you see is the next step in that progression
3: okay you know, the first history, and probably the very best history ever recorded on uh, the, the role of nurses in anesthesia, was done by Virginia Thatcher. And uh, she was a staff person at a point in time at the AANA, and uh, this was in 1956, I believe. It was certainly in the mid-60s that this book was, uh, was published. I don't have an actual copy of the book, but uh, again, my friend Peggy McFadden sent me a Xerox copy, and so I've got it in a notebook, and I protect it very carefully because it is a, a very good good history in every way. But during the time I was on the board, and even before I came on the board, there was uh, interest in having another history. You know, From 1956 until, what, 1986, 89, there was a lot of history that had not been recorded, and so the, the board appointed an individual to develop this. Uh, it really didn't work out. It dragged on, and we still didn't have our history. And then the board appointed a solo uh, historian, Mary Ann Bankert. And uh, she did Watchful Care, A History of America's Nurse and And she drew a lot from the Thatcher book, but also she continued on where Thatcher left off, all the way up. To direct reimbursement in 1989 and I, I, I just love that book uh, at the very end they've got a lot of indexes and things but one is a, a picture and a major quote from each of the ANA presidents during that period of time from the beginning until 1989 and when you look at that, you could go back sometimes. Recently, they, they picked up one that Goldie brang. I mean, by the way, Goldie is celebrating her I 102nd that. birthday in Hawaii, uh, just wow. in Nevada, another week. Uh, mm. And I think that's just wonderful. But anyway, hers was you know the role of the membership and how you can't be a vibrant trade organization like we are without the membership. And so, so it's, been, it's been very good. And, of course, the last picture was me as president because of you know it was done that year and i remember john guard when he showed me the copy and the first copy was given to me in the ether dome in boston that's where our meeting was that year and uh, john said i said uh does everybody gonna like he said everybody's gonna like it but no one is gonna like it as good as you're gonna (laughs) like it that that last picture uh, being there but it was good and i think that we're a little behind in that our history has not been recorded since 1989. But a shout out to our our current and and recent boards of directors. Uh, This is on the table now. I think it's budgeted. They are looking for a, a uh, historian or have appointed one. I don't know exactly where that is, but it will be volume two of Watchful Care, oh. A History of American st- It will be from 1989 to the current time. And at one time, to get it done quick, I was really advocating that it be multi-authored mm-hmm. with editors and a, a little committee. And the board, for whatever reason, decided that they would have a historian like was done by Thatcher and Bankert. I really think that is the best way to go if you're not too impatient, because it takes out the bias. True. And so someone that is not a nurse anesthetist will go and look over our archives and uh, look at who was who and where we were and what was happening, and it will be through the eyes. Of someone that's not us, right. and I think that's good in many ways.
2: I uh, it was a prerequisite for us to read before I came to anesthesia school. Mm. That yeah. Mm-hmm sure was.
3: So Cindy- well, of course, my picture was the last one in it. Why <laughs> and would actually, I have you do that?
2: <laughs> actually, your quote that's in there is one of the last things in the book is something that I use. I do attribute it to you every single time. You know, without the American Nurses Association, there would still be nurses. Without the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, there would not be nurse anesthetists. No, and I think that's absolutely profound. It and might. I use that everywhere I go it's
1: but another Sandy yeah, yeah it sure is so
2: Sandy what are the most valuable leadership lessons that you learned in your tenure that you would like to share with our listeners
3: well you know when we are running for office to be elected and so forth we all have a little motto and my theme was um, strength and unity we have to have the ability to disagree without being disagreeable. Mm -hmm. And I learned the value of continuity of effort from one board to the next, because the big things, the things that will last for 30 years, are not a fly-by-night. It takes many years and many boards to bring it to fruition. And as I learned and worked with boards, both at the state and national level and international level, particularly at the international level where you're dealing with uh, uh, different languages and so forth. I learned there's a real difference between a boss and a leader. Mm. And some of the, uh, the characteristics of a leader would be one that's a part of the team. You're not the one that is dictating everything, but you're coaching. You're developing goodwill. And that's particularly in the face of the international community. Uh, you have to generate enthusiasm as a leader, because if people aren't enthusiastic, you know, why are you even here? And then to the extent possible, the word we rather than I Mm -hmm. uh, should be used all the time, because with all these things we've talked about right now, it wasn't an I. These things happened and ended the year I was president, but it got there because of we and our enthusiasm our dedication and our motivation and so it takes a village yeah to take mm-hmm. care of big events yeah,
1: and seeds were planted long before you got there that's right and somebody had to water that's right. and fertilize the ground.
3: and that is the history jeremy of the whole A-A-A, without yeah. a doubt so they're the main things that I, that i learned
1: well sandy you know as we're dealing with a new generation of crnas um you know, now with the advent of the doctorate level program and and so forth, what would you tell this generation of, of CRNAs that are that are coming through the profession? What would you like to get across to them? And I know you do this a lot, especially with the Wake Forest program, so yeah. they're probably well-schooled on that. Right?
3: right. I think that um, we had a very good motto at our last Congress uh, in, in Chicago. It was unite, engage, and evolve. And... If our members cannot unite, if our members are not engaged, we will not continue to evolve. These things that I've mentioned happened because of a very, very engaged membership. At the time I was president and running for president, the the voting for the, the general board was 30%. It's 99% to 11%. Fourteen percent.
1: That
2: amazes me. Um, way. Which mirrors what's happening in society. You know, whenever oh, I ran yeah. for a state house, down-ballot voting was 17%. Yeah. And those are the people that show up for primaries.
3: That's right. So I think that, that one thing for the young people, you have got to know that this is not forever. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take care of it, if you don't nourish it, if you don't participate – you may be just doing another job at some point in time, or doing a job for much less than what you're doing it right now, and that's particularly true with what's happening in healthcare, single payer system. What yeah. do you think uh, it's going to look like with a single payer system? Every procedure is going to be paid a Medicare payment.
1: Yeah, health care. Who's going to be all. in charge of those payments being doled out?
3: That's right, <laughs> and I can tell you the physicians are not going to want to cut their salary any so you know you've got to be involved and the other thing with social media being what it is and i think on this podcast social uh, um, uh, ashley faden Mm -hmm. uh, she talked about it she said i I really remembered what she said about star wars you know we've got to learn to use it as a force for good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that's absolutely right we have failed miserably at that And so the younger generation, they're glued to social media, to things such as this. I would caution them to be aware, as the good book says, of false prophets. Hmm. There's a lot of people out there running their mouth that really have no experience, and they really don't know everything they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And the people that do know is our elected board, our governance. And so um, the self-appointed Leaders, be very, very careful of Mm -hmm. jumping on that bandwagon.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
3: I refuse to name names. but
2: Well, we had a big discussion about social media uh, when I spoke at Wake on Wednesday. And the students sometimes feel a lot of bullying in social media. And Mm -hmm. they created social media. They love social media. But yet, even within our ranks, they're kind of backing off from it because there's so much I don't know discord I guess
1: you it know. wears you out it does it just
3: beats you down well, it's kind of like
1: the news media these days you know it kind of that wears does you out, too you know? Jeremy I mean, it really does I mean uh, no matter what side of the equation you're on it wears you out but um, but yeah you're exactly right I think social media people can hide behind mm-hmm. their computer and say whatever they want and you can stir emotion in folks from doing that and that's what they they get off on so yeah, there, there's got to be an answer to that. I'm not sure what Well,
2: we're looking that, to so. you, Jeremy. Somebody <laughs> from uh, from the outside. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I'm pretty, pretty to the point on stuff like yes, that. Yes, you are. So, um, that but, would be
2: true. Well, it sounds like we've had another great interview with Sandy. Oh, yeah, wait. You've got yeah, something got else you would like to add. Sandy, tell us anything else you would like to add.
3: Well, you had asked me about... What profession other than my own uh, <laughs> you know, What I like to attempt? And I, I said, you know, it's hard to say. I tell people all the time if I had to do it over again, I would do it the same way. I've yep. been a clinician, an administrator, and an educator. And I think I would follow the same path. There, there is absolutely no better return on investment for my educational dollar than what I've got. I mean, my anesthesia program cost me $100, and they paid me to go there. You know, so you can't beat that, can you, Jeremy? Cannot beat that. I love Uh, that. At one time, I I was thought, well, maybe law, but uh, not that. Uh, There's too many lawyers.
2: Yeah, but you would have been an excellent lawyer.
3: (laughs) Patience, (laughs) patience. uh, You'll always have patience brought to Mm you. You got to get out and scratch the dirt, you know, in a law practice, and. um, and then you had asked, is our preparation uh, an interesting hobby? And, of course, that is my deep-sea fishing out of Hatteras, Hatteras <laughs> Island. And so I'm still waiting to catch my big marlin, And if it doesn't catch me, uh, before, <laughs> before long. so. Uh,
1: well, Sandy, I'm just sitting here listening to you, and what's going through my mind is everything you do, you do it with zest and zeal. Enthusiasm. And you give 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If, if Sandy's going to take something on, and it's kind of like you, Sharon. You're kind of the same way. And I noticed this in the leadership of this organization. If you're going to do it, it's 100% in. You're not 50% mm-hmm. in or 30%. If I take this on... I'm going to see it through. And I think that's what's shining through in your life, Sandy. I right. think that's a great trait. I
3: appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me here today.
1: Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to conclude no, on, I Sandy? think that
3: I, I mentioned most of the other things. I, okay. a, a real shout out to our younger members. Be involved. Be engaged. Know the events. Otherwise, you may not be happy with what you end up with.
1: Yeah. And don't just do it for the money. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and
2: Sharon Pierce.
1: If you like our show and want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, Leave us a review as long as it's positive. Um, we don't want any negative reviews no. out there,
2: so. <laughs> It's a wrap.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office, or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first Candidate School for Nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google
0: Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out BeyondTheMaskPodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post. And we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA history series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA personal finance series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest, or even suggest a particular topic, Fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.